Hey there, it's Corey. A couple of weeks ago, we published an episode with triplets separated at birth. And I gotta say, I really loved that episode. But what you don't know is that we recorded that episode twice. Back in June, we spent a little over an hour with Ricky, Jules, and Kenny, and it was fantastic. But there was some audio snafus and not all the tracks were recorded so we had to re-record with them well i just found a backup track with all of us on there and that's what we're putting out today and surprisingly it's almost all different content i think there's one or two stories that they tell that are pretty similar to the ones they told in the published episode but otherwise, it's all new stuff, and it's very compelling, and gets very emotional. And we're just thrilled to put that out there again today. Plus, Kendall and I are guests on their podcast this week, so please check out Luke, Who Is Your Father, and you get to hear Kendall and I get really raw and crazy. Enjoy! Welcome back to Family Twist. We have three guests with us today, Kenny, Ricky, and Jules. But before I get accused of burying the lead, I guess you could also be known as triplets separated at birth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, correct. (laughs) Uh, And fellow podcasters, too. So um, we were just talking about uh, episode, you just finished episode 10, correct? We did. We just finished our season finale. Awesome. Congrats. (laughs) We know how much work goes into, uh, (laughs) we didn't realize how much work went into doing a podcast, but now we know. Right. I think that's a pretty, pretty common shared experience. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. We frequently, we have two jobs now, which is great. That's fine. But yeah, we totally agree. We have a lot of respect for anyone who, who takes on the, um, the project. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Kendall and I, like, I, I don't remember how I stumbled upon your story i think it might have been on instagram but as soon as i saw triplets separated at birth i thought oh i gotta find out more because this could be a great episode (laughs) and then i you know found that you had a podcast and it's wow so kendall and i listened to the first episode we didn't want to learn too much ahead of time but we you know we wanted to make sure we we weren't coming into this completely blind and we both got emotional just listening to it um it's you know it's quite a story so um where do you want to begin telling the story well i mean we usually begin with being triplets um and we we usually start with with my mom's kind of side of the story yeah Uh, especially because when you hear that triplets separated at birth then went on to find out that they were donor conceived people tend to have a lot of questions and pass a lot of judgment if they don't understand all of the the context surrounding the situation Um, So I can kind of speak to being with our birth mother, and then I'll I'll typically trade it over to Kenny and Jules to talk about the the other side of the tracks, if you will. Does that work for you guys? Absolutely, yeah. Excellent. For sure. So my mom, Kathleen, um, married my dad, Lee, when he was 58 years old (laughs) in pretty poor health overall, and she was completely deaf. So she was 35, he was 58. That's a big age gap. Mm-hmm. And they had not 
children were not really in the, in the cards for them. And he had had a vasectomy anyway, and he'd had two children in a previous marriage and one had actually passed away when he was 26 years old in a motorcycle accident. Not when Lee was 26 years old, when his son was. Yes, when his son Rick was 26 years old. So he was kind of none too eager to uh, take that journey again with his new wife, Kathleen. Um, But that biological clock started ticking when she was about 35 and she asked to have a baby and they separated for a while because of that. And then, you know, they came back together. He said, you can come home. We can have a baby. So they had to go through artificial insemination to do so. That is not something that I was aware of until I was 13. Oh, wow. So they did IUI. She had received separate care for the insemination and then for her pregnancy, prenatal care. So there was quite the discrepancy there. So Mm -hmm. she did not find out that she was pregnant with triplets until she was seven months along. Wow. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty um, unusual with a, a, a donor situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. It actually was so unprecedented that it changed procedure for the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And they did have to kind of acknowledge that they flubbed both the mm-hmm. prenatal care and the insemination mm-hmm. because her fertility drugs that she was taking was only supposed to give her a two two percent chance of having twins wow yeah so she she goes in for her (laughs) (laughs) yeah if it was any higher we could be in an even stickier situation (laughs) and i think people are might have questions about just having an ultrasound and the frequency of that because i think now especially i think artificial insemination is different than ivf and they were a little bit um, strapped financially. So it wasn't, I think she was just going in for checkups, but not having ultrasound, not having um, anything like that because it's expensive, it's time consuming mm-hmm. and she was healthy. So she just wasn't getting as frequent of, um, you know, examinations. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had sort of set the precedent with her that unless anything was going wrong with her pregnancy, that they would just proceed as normal. She goes in at 28 weeks. They measure her and they're like, we need to have an ultrasound. You're measuring at 32 when you should be measuring at 28. So told her she was having triplets. My dad really was not even too keen on the idea of having one more new baby. Certainly not three more. Uh, And again, just not, not a super ideal situation to be having three babies into. They were strapped financially. He was much older, in poor health. She was, at that time, she has a cochlear implant now, but she was 100% deaf. So mm-hmm. 40 minutes down the road, they were working with um, an adoption agent, if you will, named Sybil, who was also working with a couple named Tina and Ken. And that's where Jules and Kendall come in. Yeah. Yeah. So our parents, they, my mom, um, I don't know if the word has even suffered. She was the victim of a really violent sexual assault when she was 16 mm. years old. Mm. And then when she, her and my dad got married and they started trying to have children right away and were having a lot of difficulty. And they went in to start looking into that. And the doctor 
my mom gets really sensitive about it. The doctor told her that she had a better chance of being struck by lightning twice mm -hmm. than getting pregnant oh, wow. because wow. she had gone into premature menopause mm -hmm. when she was 26. They, they think she thinks it's because of this really violent assault wow. that she had, um, wow. that she survived. So they were on the adoption list for seven years. And the whole story is kind of, it, ma it makes me emotional even thinking about Tina because they did, they wanted babies so bad. They had one, um, they had one family where the, the birth mother just would not tell them who the father was. Mm -hmm. And they weren't comfortable with that. They didn't want um, the father to come back into the picture later and try to reclaim his parental rights and things like that. And my my mom was really scared about stuff mm -hmm. like that. And there was a lot of stuff in the news about we didn't know until we started talking to my mom that and I don't know what the law is today, but back then it was you can the birth mother can come and claim her child up until two years after the adoption process. And there were stories about birth mothers literally like snatching their babies back. Um, and then they had, so that didn't work out. They didn't want that to, to, to come back and bite them. And then they had one more situation where, and this one was horrible. This young woman had told them that she was pregnant. They, and it was an ongoing thing where they were you know, keeping abreast of checkups and all of that. And then she told them that she had had an abortion very late into her pregnancy, which my mom was absolutely devastated about. And they said, okay, well, why would you do that when we have a, a, a couple that's, that's waiting to adopt this baby? And then they asked for medical records to prove that, which the girl could not provide because she had never had an abortion. Mm -hmm. And then she as what said that she had a miscarriage or something yeah. as well, and she couldn't provide records for that, and she had lied the entire time. She was never actually pregnant. About being pregnant, oh. mm -hmm. which, ugh, my mom was just absolutely devastated and heartbroken, and she started to kind of lose faith a little bit in the process, and then... um they came back and said, we have a, we have a family. How do you guys feel about twins? And we didn't know this, Kendall, until we interviewed mom. They called my parents when they were <laughs> apart from each other. I don't know. They were like, we don't know how they got us on the phone even at the same time, but without even consulting each other, <laughs> not being like, oh, wait, we should talk about this. They were so excited to have babies that they said yes to twins immediately. And wow. then Kendall, how long did they have to wait to bring us home? Well, we initially thought, um, we had always thought that it was two months because Kathleen found out at seven months that she was pregnant with triplets and then like really expedited the adoption process. But then we remembered that we were, we were five weeks premature. So they had three weeks <laughs> to prepare wow. for two, two, twins versus <laughs> a single baby um and they were just there was never a question they were just ecstatic to even have mm. the opportunity i guess yeah well it sounds like your your adoptive parents went through things that my know my adoptive parents were terrified uh, mm -hmm. of uh, because they also had heard stories you know that were not pleasant and and i was born in arkansas and there was only a nine month waiting period there but my parents were still terrified, you know, yeah. that, because they immediately, you know, started calling me by the name that truly wasn't legal, you know, my, my new name mm -hmm. and just had that overarching, you know, fear that 
And my, you'd have to know my mother. She was like, well, I'll just, you know, run away to Mexico. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like I'll just take the baby. And it's like, uh, that's not really practical because everybody in the community knows you, you know, but um, I can understand that sentiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what it was, was something your... that persisted oh, for a long time. And I think it kind of like went through ebbs and flows because they did. We, our parents got together for the first time when we were about a month old. Mm-hmm. And I think they were pretty comfortable with that. And then they got together together again when we were six months to a year old. And then I think my mom started getting very scared again a little mm -hmm. bit and very, um, I don't want to say possessive or territorial, but she wanted, she, she wanted to protect our little family. And I think that's why so we always knew that we were adopted. But I think that's right around that time is when they said, okay, we're going to actually close this adoption a little bit more. and. Um, we, so we did not know until we were nine that we had another sister. Wow. Well, we always knew that we were adopted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what were your parents' reactions when they found out that it was triplets and not twins? And did they ask like, how are you going to decide <laughs> which baby you're going to keep? Yeah. So that was very important to my parents. We had the privilege of going through all of their paperwork that they filled out with the adoption agency. And it was very important to them that the whatever family was adopting the girls did have sympathy for the situation because my mom was just struggling with so much guilt about everything. Mm -hmm. um, so Tina and Ken passed no judgment whatsoever. They came and interviewed at my parents' house and said they were just very kind people. They totally understood the situation. They decided upon arrival that they were a hundred percent a yes. And then uh, my parents decided very shortly thereafter that they were a, a total yes for Tina and Ken. Um, but yeah, I don't think that they really had any strong feelings about knowing that they would be adopting a set of twins from a set of triplets, aside from just being totally ecstatic. And then as <laughs> Far as choosing, it is very funny to yeah, be. I think Ken will want to no. say why. Why that's fine. I'm, I just want to say when your parents got to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this story. I want to tell the story. Go for it. Well, you you when the parent our parents got to the hospital. Why don't you go first, Kendall, and then yeah. Ricky can go. Yeah, that yeah, makes okay. more sense. We actually didn't know how um, Kathleen. It was never really like a conversation for a very long time of how she chose. I think just because me and Julianne just, we loved our parents so much. So it was never like, we'd never felt abandoned. We never mm -hmm. felt that we weren't wanted. There was nothing like that. But um, I remember very specifically asking Kathleen, I think we were, um, I want to say it was maybe after dad passed away and we were having lunch um, with Kathleen. And I was like, how did you choose? Because that would seem like a very hard decision. Mm -hmm. And she said that um, Julianne and Ricky were both um, head down. No, both breach. Both breach. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. They were both breach. And I was facing the correct direction, which I think is a little bit of a metaphor. You've always been very <laughs> compliant. Yes. <laughs> but then... Um, no, you know what? Me and Ricky, mm -hmm. me and Ricky were breach. Julianne wiggled around and they were like, they're just going to stay that way the whole time. Um, 
because we were so packed in there like sardines Mm -hmm. and then julianne um ultimately kind of like wiggled around to be breach no no (laughs) son of a gun okay we're gonna you're gonna need to edit this that's okay sure let me tell the story and then totally ruin it no you're good okay Julian was head down you and me were breached yes me and ricky were breached julianne was facing the correct direction um then i ultimately wiggled around to be by julianne so we were both head down Mm. And Ricky was the only one left breach. So Kathleen took that as a sign that me and Julianne wanted to be together. And then, which I think is a huge blessing, because like I don't know if that had not happened. No, maybe she they would have. She was incredibly relieved that that had happened. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was very unusual because they said this will not change. This mm-hmm. will be their positions the entire time. It yeah, is right. too. Because you can imagine, yeah. she was out to freaking here. <laughs> right. and right. Yeah, they were like, "There's no way they have enough room to to move it all." Yeah, Same results. <laughs> so that's how they chose to keep them together. And then in interviewing our parents for our season of the podcast, we found out that uh, Ken and Tina actually had to delay going to the hospital for a while because my parents were making a split second decision because it turns out my dad wanted to keep baby A instead. Oh, wow. Wow. We don't know why. Yeah, we think maybe firstborn, but yeah, he was like, I think we want to keep we want to keep Julian instead. And yeah, it was a so my parents that had to hold off a little bit even longer, which I th- was a little bit torturous for them. But sure. in, the, in the end, they took they took home Kennel and I, which is a huge blessing because Ricky and I are so much alike um, that I think any set of parents would have struggled having us together. In a household, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it would have been a nightmare. <laughs> now, who named you? Our parents named us. Mm-hmm. I'm named okay. after my great great Grand- grandfather, grandfather. Mm-hmm. and Kendall's named after my dad, my father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Makes and sense. then I'm named after my brother who passed away, Rick, and my yeah. dad, Lee. Because mm. yeah. it sounds like you and I can't remember. I'm so sorry if it's Kendall or Corey. It sounds like. You already had a name, and then someone had to change. They changed yes. it. Yeah, I yeah, we, my, yeah. I think um, Kathleen my, was very good about just she left that completely up to up to my parents. It. I think that I can imagine that it would make it more difficult to give up a child that you had already assigned mm-hmm. a name to. Well, so Kendall's birth mother um, named him after his birth father, okay. which I thought was a sweet gesture. You know, knowing that she was not getting to keep this baby, and, and she they didn't have a choice. So their their parents said no. They were they were fifteen and sixteen. I was going to ask, were they so young? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And so yeah, so he was he was named uh, Scott after his dad, and and then after he was adopted, then you know, as we knew from earlier, uh, Kendall was going to be his name whether he was a boy or a girl. <laughs> right. My mother was already my adoptive mother was like you know, whatever baby she had, that's what she wanted to name it. Well, so, I mean, it's just such a great name. Exactly. Name. <laughs> right. I am with you. Right. But, um, but yeah. And so it's weird. I didn't until I was eight, I'd never seen my adoption paper. So I didn't really, and you know, when you're a little kid, like I didn't really question that I had another name. I just, you know, I didn't I don't even remember saying like, oh, did I have a name before you, you know, you yeah. calling me Kendall because they got me when I was two months old. So for all intents and purposes in my 
tiny town. That's the only way people knew me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so, and then legally, like I said, nine months later is when it could, it could go through. So I was 11 months old when technically my name became Kendall, but mm-hmm. nobody in my life um, even knew that my birth name was Scott. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you feel any type of way about Scott? <laughs> well, it's funny. When I found out that that was my name, uh, when I was like eight, I remember thinking, well, I don't, that doesn't seem like me. You know, what does that mean? Right? Like there are so many Scots in the world. It could be, but, um, now it, it touches my heart. Um, knowing my biological father now, you know, who is called Scott and it, you know, it just, um, it's an interesting part of the equation Yeah, to to hear people say his name and think to myself, wow, that was my name too. Yeah. 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 Which my father knew that that's all he really knew when I was born, my mother and her family had moved. I was conceived in new England. My mother's family moved during the pregnancy to Arkansas. So that was the last time my birth parents ever saw each other. And all he got was a call when I was born saying, baby Scott, you know, is fine. And so I can't imagine how that must yeah. feel mm-hmm. to to want to keep, you know, my, my dad tried everything he could do to um, convince the grandparents um, to my let heart. them either stay together or, you know, get married or you know, which of course would have been a horrible decision, but you know, he was trying so hard yeah. to get to keep me. And so I can't imagine what it must have felt like to think that well, he got my name and I still don't get to oh. know him. That, it's uh that's, you know, there's so many families that go through. I think when you're adopted, people automatically assume that you have issues with feeling abandoned or like someone didn't want you. And we have never experienced that. You obviously did not experience that either. And I think that would be so hard to know that, okay, you know, to feel like someone like left you on a doorstep or whatever it is, but it's really hard to also know that someone someone fought for you, someone fought for you, someone hurt on the other end. And I think when we were interviewing Kathleen and reading through these letters that we had written to each other and that she had written to my parents, we did not know how, Oh my God, I'm going to cry too. Yeah. <laughs> we did not know how much she really did struggle with that decision yeah. and how much like guilt and shame and all of that, that she felt for years and years and years, which I think only really subsided when we all got to meet each other. Um, and then I don't know, you haven't listened to it yet. Obviously we, Ricky and I took a, can you say the word zygosity test for the last, for the finale episode of our podcast, because we, my birth mother, um, she always thought that we were identical once she started seeing us. I was like, hell no, no, we're not. <laughs> I never thought that we were, but she had a lot of, um, trepidation about separating identical twins. She was really, really nervous to do that. And felt a lot of guilt about that even later. And we did just find out that we are identical. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so yeah. And she, yeah, it was, it was uh, really sad to learn through our, through kind of digging into all this, how, how much she really did suffer with, with that choice. And I, she's doing better now, but I can't even imagine. I mean, well, I mean, and Ricky would be a daily reminder, a constant reminder. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the doctors told her 
but no one was identical. And then when we started to receive pictures, my mom took them to the doctor and was like, Hello. What is it? Exactly. <laughs> and they were like, we did the best we could. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should tell Kath, like, okay, if we think about this, if you guys had grown up together and I was the one to stay with Kathleen and then like I found, or you guys found out about me later and I had to meet you two yeah, being me and not looking anything like you, that would have been you would have feel really, unique. really hard. Really, I think for yeah. me, I would have felt even mm-hmm. more isolated, more isolated yeah. even more like, I think this turned out, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, selfishly, I think this, no, I, uh, that would have been horrible. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I imagine the situation there are actually if, uh, a lot of feelings coming up about it that not all of us anticipated having, like yeah. I didn't uh, expect to struggle with it planning that out and have really struggled with it yeah um because i was alone anyway so then to like see on a piece of paper an identical set of dna and like read more about that and like it is a joke that you know we joke that we would have been a wrecking ball (laughs) but like we don't know that because it's a different situation like we might just have that dynamic because we grew up separately. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, yeah, we've learned a lot. I think wow. <laughs> um, yeah. it's brought up a lot more than we thought that it would to wow. talk about things like this and find things like that out. So I'm sure I'm sure. Um, because you were five weeks early, were there, were there complications where you, did you have to stay in the hospital longer than we did big time? I was born mm. at three pounds, 14 ounces. Mm. I was four. I was four, mm-hmm. right on the dot. Yeah, I think I was a little above four. Yeah, I think 4.2, 4, yeah. 3.14, 3.14. Hi. <laughs> and I think Kendall, Kendall, so we actually learned this too. We learned, we learned so much doing this. We think that Kendall's water broke early. Early. Uh, and Kathleen was in the pool, I think, so she did not necessarily notice. So by the time that she went into the hospital, there's a thought that Kendall might have not had any amniotic fluid for a while. Mm. Or I was like drowning in my Or something like that. Because Kendall had to stay in the longest. My lungs were like underdeveloped, I think. And I don't know. We both, we all had to be like incubated for a bit. Incubated. I think I went home after a week. You went home early. Right away. Right away. Yeah. Yeah. You were gone by the time my parents got there. Mm Mm-hmm. Ricky went home like this. I stayed in for a week and Kendall had to stay in for a few weeks. Sickly. And then I think we're just, we're just literally thinking, oh my gosh, maybe because Kendall struggles with asthma. She, we all mm. record the podcast at my house. I heard that one of you has a bunch of cats. <laughs> I have four. Before we've got Kendall and draft. Kendall will really start to wheeze. So mm-hmm. she, we think maybe that has something to do with it. But yes, we all. Ricky went home right away. I had to stay in for a week or so, and then Kendall did have more th- more complications than us I think two. I was. Uh, I think I was Jonas too. So there mm. was, you know, all, all sorts of crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's hilarious seeing should have stayed up there with me. Oh. <laughs> it's hilarious seeing pictures of us as babies because they're like little petite, little small, cute children, and I'm like this big fat like. <laughs> It's like a tail. They called me Uncle Fester. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so oh. bald. <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> oh. But now I have 
just the most. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? So my mom took me home. Kendall and Julianne did ultimately end up going to their assigned <laughs> place with with Tina and Ken. They met a couple of times. Tina and Ken got pretty sketched out and uh, moved to. Not close the adoption, but he was just asking about if we were had birth complications. I know. Okay, we're just moving things along. Oh, I don't know. I just didn't know what they wanted to ask. <laughs> you don't need to. Leave I will up. actually turn that back over to you. This is a bad habit of running your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were probably getting to this, Ricky. But I, so I was going to. So Kenny and Jules, you found out as young children that you were adopted. But what were you told, Ricky? I was told from the beginning of time that I was a triplet and that my sisters were adopted and that they lived less than an hour away. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, as a, as a little kid, like a toddler, I can only imagine the questions coming out of your mouth. I think that I was so well informed about the situation that I never really had questions. My parents were very upfront with me about why they did that about who Tina and Ken were. Tina and Ken continued to send my mom cards and an an occasional letter. My mom certainly continued to send them letters. Um, So I would be able to see those and see the photos. And um, so I don't actually think I ever really had any questions until I started asking if I could meet them. Yeah. Her only question was, when can I meet them? When can I meet them? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, but that didn't, after that six, you know, the babies seeing each other at six months, and obviously you don't remember that. Um, when was that able to happen? Yeah. <laughs> so my dad became very sick very early in my life, like five or six years old. He, I think, got prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. He was also uh, an alcoholic and just had run his body pretty ragged. He was like a... Have you seen A Star is Born? Yes. You know Bradley Cooper in that movie? Yeah. It's like her dad. Okay. (laughs) But he looked like... But he looked like Sam Elliott. He looked like Sam Elliott. Yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Very Jackson Maine-esque, aside from the illicit drug use. My dad just liked to stick to booze. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's um, overall just like a cowboy with a lot of swagger, who was like pretty nomadic. Um, So he became ill. And that's when I started writing Tina and Ken, Julianne and Kendall's parents, (laughs) pestering them, asking if Julianne and Kendall knew about me. Um, And they, I think, wrote back once and said no. (laughs) Hmm. And then I sort of convinced my mom to take me to the outlet malls uh, that I knew were by Julianne and Kendall's house or closer to their house than it was to our house. And while in the mall... um, She's seven, seven or eight, (laughs) coming up with this diabolical plan. (laughs) Always been very strategic and calculated. (laughs) Uh, so when we were in the outlet mall, I heard someone behind me say, hi, Julianne. And I was like, this worked. Oh, they're <laughs> in here. Like they're in the, I, and I was so excited and I turned around and this poor seven year old was talking to me thinking I was Julianne. Oh. Oh. So my mom had to call her mom over 
and say, she can't say anything. They don't know that she exists. <laughs> Please right. make sure that you don't say anything to their parents, that she doesn't say anything to them. And she never did. She never did. We don't know who oh. she is to this day. They still don't know who she is to wow. this day. And then hmm. my parents were informed about this via letter. Yeah. <laughs> I would think that this would warrant a phone call, <laughs> right. but it was via a letter. She was like, this happened. So we think that's what kind of put their, our parents' feet to the fire as far as them actually telling us about Ricky. Because they were like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Or I'm sorry. They were like, oh crap. <laughs> um, this would be horrible if they found out from someone else. And we right. were in... Such close proximity that it was, you know, they were afraid it was bound to happen. So that was kind of the catalyst for them actually telling us about Ricky. So your plan and, worked, Ricky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked, but I'm very proud. I mean, you should read these letters that she was writing as a hmm. small child. She does not sound like a small child. <laughs> and then um, I think when her dad started to get very, very ill, that's when she was really putting some i'm i'm saying pressure because that's what it was she was Mm -hmm. she was really putting the pressure on to actually meet us and then i her dad ricky's dad did pass away and they they said we we got to get out of here they decided they were going to move to missouri and um that's was kind of their last plea for like please please let the girls meet each other before we leave the Mm -hmm. state Mm -hmm. wow and then we did yeah and i don't know kendall Corey. Your line of questioning. <laughs> but if you want Kendall to tell you about how they told them yeah, about yeah. me. For sure. <laughs> um, so it was <clears throat> it was close to Christmas. Um we found out through investigating all these things that um memory is very subjective. So we're not entirely sure. Um, but I remember it being New Year's Day. And um my parents we have this cowboy chair because it has cowboy fabric on it. So we've mm-hmm. always cal- called it the cowboy chair. Um, and they brought us to the cowboy chair and they sat us down and they said, you know, we have one more Christmas present for you, but it's something that can't be wrapped. And then they showed us the picture of Ricky, which it was her fourth grade. Third, yep. Third or fourth. Yeah. yeah. Third or fourth grade, like school photo behind like yeah. the blue backdrop and you're like, oh, yeah. and, um, it looked like Julianne. It was really weird. I was like, that looks like Julianne, but Julianne is not that stylish. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> have <laughs> we just didn't, she had different clothes. <laughs> I was like, um, and then apparently they took us separately and kind of like, Stuffed it out from us together. Um, They were concerned because I obviously don't look, I'm not identical. (laughs) Um, What did you say? I said, such a nerd. I was like, I'm unique. I'm unique. (laughs) And I pointed my finger up in there because I always did that when I was making a point. (laughs) And then I just said, this is, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, children are remarkable because our parents were so nervous mm-hmm. to tell us about this obviously had a lot of fear anxiety all of that and we took it like champs yeah just mm. kind of rolled with the punches it was not a huge you know seismic bomb that went off in our house mm-hmm. um and then that's when we started writing back and forth and we wrote back and forth until we finally got to meet each other i think about three years later wow yeah mm. wow 
We're in Missouri. Did you move, Freaky? Because <laughs> Corey's from Missouri. Have you Missouri, heard of yeah. Diamond? <laughs> I don't know Diamond. What part of the part of the state is that? Okay, so Kendall, you yes. lived in Arkansas. I did. Corey, are you familiar with Arkansas? A little bit. Yeah. Okay, I love Arkansas. We love <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> Stunning. So Stunning. I moved technically, like on our address, to Neo Show. Mm, which is, is like 30 miles north of the border for Arkansas. Yep. yep. I went to school, unfortunately, in Diamond <laughs> because we were like one mile away from the school district line. Sure. Which is maybe one thing I would actually go back and change. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we ended up moving to Neosho, Missouri because my grandparents lived in Springfield, Missouri. Gotcha. Um, and my my mom was just being an absolute workhorse in mm-hmm. Colorado, taking care of a farm by herself. Wow. And yeah, I remember going out and she was building a farm. <laughs> she was <laughs> digging a post hole with a post hole digger and just getting so frustrated. And I remember it was just like gray and ugh, drab and she was crying and mm. she turned to me and said, can we please move? She, she kept, she sought my counsel. She yeah. asked me if we could move to Missouri to be closer to her parents. And she said, I, I went in, I said, well, I want to go take a, a second inside. And I came out in like an hour and, and said we could. So wow. that's where we went. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And how long were you in Missouri? Until. I mean, I went to middle school and high school in Diamond, Missouri, and then I went to college at Missouri State University. Oh, yeah. okay. Go Bears. Yeah. <laughs> and I was there until I was 23 and then moved to Austin, Texas. Cool. Wow. So what was that first meeting like when you actually were in the all again. The same room together again? It was so easy. I think both parents had a lot of anxiety and I don't remember being anxious about it, but I was, we were 11 and I think it was one of those things where we finally actually got together, saw each other for the first time, which was weird. That's the only thing I remember is being like, whoa, um, that it was just weird physically seeing each other, but we fell into step. It was like, we had known each other forever. It was very easy, very comfortable. Uh, we went to a mall. And went and did a little bit of shopping while I could just picture us like running in the mall ahead of our parents while they <laughs> kind of hung behind. Then we went to go see a movie, went to go see the cinematic masterpiece that is Daredevil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> went to go, went to old Chicago afterwards for dinner. And it was just very easy, very comfortable. And I think it obviously it did us a lot of good, but I think that was one of the turning points for both of our parents. Because my mom specifically, maybe my dad, but more so my mom, had still been so nervous up to that point. She thought we were going to see Kathleen and like have some kind of biological pull towards her and leave to Missouri forever or something. And uh, Ricky's mom had just been sad up until that point. And so after we met and then both went our respective ways, that was Ricky's mom's turning point for feeling like, oh my God, I made the right decision because they got to see us. 
They got to see us with our parents. They got to see that we were good, that we had grown up very loved and well. So she felt better. And then my parents felt better because we, they were still our parents. Mm-hmm. We still very much identified them as so. So it was more of, it was very um, healing for them, healing for both sets of parents. And for us, it was just really fun. And we <laughs> yeah. had, we got to meet our sister. It was like so. when you have um, like a good friend that lives far away and every time you get back together it's just like no time has passed yeah it was like that except we except we never, we never met. met each other <laughs> yeah. I think right. riding, riding back and forth certainly we haven't even really thought about that really helps that not be such a weird mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. encounter because we felt like we knew each other at least a little bit because we had gotten the opportunity to write back and forth for so long so this wasn't the like bam right <laughs> yeah right but this is certainly before eleven-year-olds had cell phones and could text each other. Oh, yeah. Yes. So it's like you. you what do you mean? How do you know that? Are you? It was a guess. It, you said you well. You, you you dated yourself a little bit when you said Daredevil. I'm assuming you the and all the mall references. <laughs> a Gen Z, a mall is where exactly. <laughs> You have a bunch of tabs open shopping, but in person. Yes. Yes. It's like Amazon, but in a building. Yeah. And also, like, Ricky's whole plot, I just thought of this today. Like, the mall is where you went and you always ran into people that you know. Like, that's that was the mall. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was more of a social endeavor and everything than anything. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, so you're keeping in touch over the years through letters and, and phone calls. Mm-hmm. No phone calls. No phone calls. Phone calls. Mm-hmm. I I think our parents were pretty uneasy with phone calls. Well, we we didn't get cell phones until we were 13, mm-hmm. which I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we didn't even have that option. We did have like a home phone, obviously, but. I don't know. I think we just, we didn't exchange numbers. Well, and this was the time of AOL Instant Messenger and then MSN Messenger. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So rare, rare phone call. It kind of sucked because we had so much of our podcast was, we had this content that was just gold because we had these years and years and years and years worth of letters to read and then they just abruptly stopped and it's because we had aim and text messages and all that so we still we wrote letters for a little bit and then yeah i think it was just a lot of back and forth with um with text and aim yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. wow i mean i was miserable in high school so i ended up we found we definitely did actually that i had some yeah, yeah i had kept like what i call the diary <laughs> oh my god the things that if you i don't think okay i might i don't want to be sexist i think it'd be a little bit different for boys men to go back and read letters that they had written to each other at 13 14 15 for us teenage girls Oh my god, I like can't even get through some of them because it's so cringy. embarrassing. It's so cringy. The it's so oh my god. It's adorable, sort of, but it's really like, oh my god, this is reading our high school letters, I kept what I called the diary and just wrote constant stream of consciousness yeah. and sent it to them. But 
that episode in reading those was our most difficult episode to get through. It was, yeah. Um, apparently the listeners liked it, but we hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I like left. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's how we were keeping in, in touch. And then, um, we were, are you going to give it my phone? Um, yes. Uh, so my mom had sort of made a, a bid to Tina and Ken after we had met the first time she had said, you know, if you had asked us to stay and like come and move by you in Colorado, we would have done it, which we sort of sussed out to be, I think that Ricky really needs a father figure and more like a, more of a village to raise her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why. <laughs> Um, so I ended up going and visiting them every summer and Very their parents cool. ended up <clears throat> kind of, uh, stepping in and, and raising me for our high school career. That's amazing. Yeah. So that, that had to be like the real bonding time, those summers. It feels oh like, it feels like when we look back on it, she spent the whole summer with us, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure it was like at most two weeks, maybe. Um, but yes, that's when we really started to get to know each other, really got to spend time. My father taught Ricky how to drive. Oh. Um, and Kendall and I had grown up a little bit differently than Ricky had. So she got to experience some things that she hadn't gotten to experience. Ricky and I started to get to trick people (laughs) we finally got to do our little switcheroo um she knew my high school friends kendall's high school friends and um yeah that was i mean looking back i don't think any of us has anything but just such great feelings about uh that time yeah blissful definitely the thing that i looked forward to most for sure and we kind of carried that through like literally until we all moved here we would um schedule trips like to mm-hmm. go see each other um once or twice a year yeah until we all lived in the same place and they're like the best memories that we have they're yeah. just so much always fun. so fun so fun yeah. yeah and so you all live in austin now mm-hmm. we do very cool awesome awesome so and, and you know, I guess it's not a spoiler because the episode is out, but I know early on when you guys started the podcast, part of it was like trying to find the donor, right? Yeah. So, and we've, we've skipped over some pretty crucial pieces of information, but when I was 13, so my dad had passed away when I was 10, my mom told me that I had actually been conceived via artificial insemination somehow the three of us do not remember we never discussed this because kendall there's no way that kendall and i ever thought that ricky's father was our biological biological father father. no one no one would have done that they wouldn't have been like let's tell them let's lie about it so we definitely always knew and we just cannot remember were we told not to tell ricky were we just like whatever it this just never came up it we we because we always knew but ricky did not find out until she was 13 mm-hmm. so that was jarring for me and i did not know how jarring it was for me until we looked back and read these letters and just thought more about how my behavior started to change at that time in my life um 
but still didn't. I, I, I really wanted to honor my father's memory. He had asked my mom not to tell me because he did not want me to feel differently about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just the stance that I kept for a long time. But then we just started to have a little bit of a rough go of it uh, because the, the, the girl's dad, Ken, ended up passing away, <laughs> away when we were 18, 17. Almost 18, yeah. Mm. So just in grieving that and then the problems that we all started to express in different ways in going to college and after college. Um, yeah, I had just, uh, gone through a series of bad relationships and one in particular ended just about the worst way that one could. Um, I decided to take a DNA test after a very serious boyfriend that I had in Austin died by suicide. Mm. And it just, I felt sort of like a open wound. Like I really wanted to understand why I was making the choices that I was and how I found myself in the situations that I did. And we all also really wanted to know more about our ethnicity sure. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Um, people will, especially during the summer, they would always kind of ask at least me and Julianne if we were just white. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. were like, we hope not. And then Ken was Italian. So they had always identified with that. And we're hoping that that carried through in some way. But uh so I took a DNA test when I was probably... It turns out, you guys, she's 100% that bitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. We felt... We were so sad. We never ended up making no, a joke on our podcast. Um, so I ended up taking a DNA test when I was like 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. And nothing really came from it for a while. Well... You found out you had to have siblings. <laughs> well, and your ethnicity would have been in there as well, right? Yes. Whatever. We're skipping past that. Never mind. No, no it's okay. We're, uh, we did end up being a quarter Mexican and a lot of Greek in the family, which Me. we felt. <laughs> Me. <laughs> which we felt very cool about. And then we did find um, two half siblings on there. One's identity we don't know at all still. Mm. And then one is just a beautiful gal um mm. and but because i think we were older like it just wasn't very jarring and it's not i mean you have your life well established then and so we didn't we connected on instagram and we talked but no one was like let's get on the phone or like yeah. let's hop on a plane <laughs> like it's just been a nice distant relationship um is she older yeah. or younger she is exactly the same age oh wow okay <laughs> Weird. Mm-hmm. She is also married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she definitely got, got um, a more functional side gene pool. <laughs> yeah, so we found out about her and then um, had some connections on there that just looked to be sort of a dead end. Mm-hmm. And someone had messaged me and said, you know, we share a very high percentage of DNA. And I can't figure out why. Here are my parents. Here are my grandparents. And I thought that that was another child conceived via the sperm donor. Yeah. So I was like, ugh, I don't want to blow this person's life up. But they're an adult seeking information. Yep. 
So I will just tell them very straightforward what I know because the shared connection that we had on there was our half sibling. Mm -hmm. So I just messaged back and I said, you know, uh, our shared connection on this app is my half sibling. We were conceived via the or conceived via the same sperm donor, and I see that you're a twin. I'm a triplet, so maybe it runs in the family. It runs in the family. And they never said anything. Hmm. It's like, oh no. (laughs) And then a year later, uh, I was looking at the paperwork just because I was sorting through things in the office and kind of tossed it over to my boyfriend and he questioned why I was not doing anything (laughs) with this information. And I was like, Well, there's not really Anything there, you know, it's height, weight, age, majors in college, interests. Ricky's boyfriend, just to give a little, some context clues. I have this Abraham Lincoln thing that I got at Goodwill. And I was like, <laughs> this is so cool. I bet this is worth a million dollars. And he can just hop on and he's a researcher. He just right. will like dig in and he can follow threads. Ascent. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he was, I mean, by far the best person to stumble across that. Very much. They, they, uh went down a rabbit hole because I saw in his paperwork, the sperm donor's paperwork, that his aunt was an identical twin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So I messaged the person back after a year and said, you know, sorry to pop up out of nowhere, but I was conceived via sperm donor. And I see now looking that his aunt was an identical twin And you're an identical twin. (laughs) Do you have a nephew that was born in this year and studied this thing in college? Mm -hmm. And she just wrote right back and said, yep. And signed off your great Aunt Jenny. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then said nothing else. (laughs) I think we think she was, this was a little bit facetious like or i don't know if that's the right word a little bit mischievous she wanted to send give ricky this like mystery to solve mm-hmm. yeah because she's mm-hmm. super into it she's like the matriarch of the family and was very into it uh so was very excited to find dead relatives and certainly living relatives and i think when i said what i said a year back that she probably put the pieces together on her own, mm-hmm. but wanted me to come to that conclusion. Right. And then because she was not revealing to her nephew that she knew this about him, right. I think because she Because he didn't wanted... tell anyone. He did not tell anyone that he had donated sperm oh, in okay. college. Oh. Nope. So I think she wanted me to be the one to suss out the information. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Because you... It sounds like you, Kendall, found that you went kind of down this road too, right? With the DNA testing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, Corey got me the kit for my birthday in 2017, and I immediately matched with my half brother in Massachusetts who had been looking for me since 1988. Yeah. My, my dad's son who knew that I existed. And uh, again, my dad's family, you know, they, they always wanted me. And, yeah. you know, so he, my brother Chris was trying to find baby Scott, you know, sorry, baby oh Scott God. was 47 years old, but you know, um, yeah. but at least we, you know, cause like with this situation, he never told anyone he is very anonymous on the internet. And so one of my first questions for him was like, okay, so 
at-home DNA testing, when this came onto the market, you had to be just like crapping your pants. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, I didn't really think about it. And, uh, you know, like if you were a criminal and you found yeah. out about at-home DNA testing, you'd be like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. I feel like if, me. <laughs> if I was a sperm donor, I would be like, oh my God. Yeah. And it just right. didn't really occur to him ever. And so when, because Ricky was the first, you know, the first, she broke the news to him that, okay, it's, I'm your biological daughter. Also, I'm a triplet. <laughs> also, we were separated at birth. Also, you have two other kids. And so it had been like 35 years since he had done this. So his, I mean, one day his life was completely, you know, he was. Wow. Mm -hmm. well, how did you end up tracking him down just from the, the aunt? So you're so good at telling. I couldn't. I know a lot of, I was with people yesterday who had just listened to our finale and was like, you had to retake that, right? And I was like. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next, I was attending a friend's wedding that day. So I literally just had to like set my phone aside and remain calm. And the next day, my boyfriend Colin was like, all right, wake up, wake up, yeah. spread out all these papers. Let's get this done. So we were looking for, I think of like a CSI board, yeah. you know, right. the meme right. of Charlie yeah. Day. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette. <laughs> um, so we spread out all the paperwork and we were looking for a Jenny and Jessica Stonebridge, which is not the easiest needles to pull out of a haystack. Mm -hmm. And we ended up finding my great grandmother's obituary, which lays out the entire family line by line by line. Wow. So we narrowed it down to one line <laughs> just because of ages and what have you. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was one of these five kids. So then we started searching for them individually, but the names were like very run of the mill, Chris, Adam, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Scott. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> so we ended up uh, identifying two names that were actually pretty unusual. One of them being Roman Stonebridge, uh, found Roman online because he is an artist mm -hmm. like Kendall, very public, um, a very public persona. And, you know, he has his artist page up on the internet and he has a phone number on there. <laughs> yep. I, I was like, you know, I'm going to sleep on it. But I'm a salesperson, so it's not uncomfortable or unusual for me to just pick up the phone and dial. Yep, <laughs> so right. um, the next morning, I was I was still pretty resolute in that. So I picked up the phone, called him. He answered on the second ring, which was not what I expected. <laughs> you thought you were so, leaving a voicemail, right? <laughs> right. Or just... Yeah, it was just me shooting my shot and thinking that it was going to be a total air ball. And so when he answered, I was like, oh, um, I, I didn't, didn't think, think you were through. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, hi, is this Roman? And he said, mm, depends on who's asking. No, and I no. was like, well, do you have a couple minutes? And he said, depends on what it's <laughs> regarding. And I said, well... You know, I am sure at this point you've heard in the news a lot of crazy stories about 23andMe and Ancestry DNA. And he said, yeah. And I said, 
Well, I think I'm your niece. (laughs) And he was like, go on. (laughs) And I said, well, do you have a brother who was born in this year and studied this in school and looks like vaguely this? And more importantly, is your aunt Jenny Stonebridge? And he was like, yep, that's (laughs) all right. (laughs) Wow. And I said, oh, shoot, by the way, I am conceived via artificial insemination. This is not a secret, illicit love affair. (laughs) And he was like, okay, well, tell me about yourself. He was just the coolest ever. Um, So we talked for a while and I did end up uh, just getting emotional on the phone at the actual confirmation that this was in fact his brother. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to need to call you back. Uh, cause I didn't know my brother did this <laughs> right? and while everything you're saying sounds a thousand percent accurate, I still probably need to make sure. Yep. So I thought that he was never calling back or would be calling back in a couple days. And five minutes later, he called me back and he said, yep, that's key. Wow. He did wow. donate sperm in college. Um, he doesn't think he'll be able to to meet you. And I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but Ricky wanted to make very certain when she talked to Roman that she was like, I don't, I'm not doing this because I want anything. Right. I'm not, don't necessarily need to meet this person. I'm just looking for confirmation, maybe a few pictures, yada, yada. So then when we get this story from Keith, our, our sperm donor, who is a bit of a theater, you know, actor <laughs> kid. He tells the story and he's like, um, he said that you were crying on the phone and that you really wanted to meet me and blah, blah, blah. So we're like, oh my God, Keith, you're like making this up. <laughs> but then he, because they had, Roman had had such a great conversation with Ricky, what Keith thinks is that Roman actually was stirring the pot and told, actually said that, you know, she's very emotional. She, because he, he wanted Ricky to meet. Yeah. I think he also was trying to pull at his heartstrings because like he, he said that Ricky was crying because she had such a terrible childhood. childhood. It was just so funny. You have to come save this child. Yeah. all the angles uh, <laughs> so yeah he came back and he said you know he doesn't think he's going to be able to meet you and i said oh no no that's totally fine i that's a hundred percent i would not even suggest that right now i was just hoping to get a couple of photos from him around the time that he donated and roman was like no he has an email address super secret email address <laughs> and he is ready for you to reach out so I did. <laughs> and he just, that whole entire family received us so incredibly warmly. Wow. And um, at the same time, Roman was like, by the way, this is a secret now. It's you, me, and Keith that know this information, oh. and that is it. And that is all we want knowing. And I was like, well, what do you want me to say to <laughs> <laughs> Just blew her up on this app being like, can you give me any more information? Um, So I I ended up uh, messaging because Roman was like, you can figure that out. (laughs) Whatever. 
And so I messaged Jenny and I said, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. Thank you so much. I got this all sorted. We are good to go. And she ended up messaging me back and saying, welcome to the family. And here is, you're a part of a large and exceptional family of a really amazing, warm, wonderful people. And let me know if you ever want to chat. And then, yeah, Keith started emailing me back right away and was kinder than you could have ever expected, mm-hmm. m- more accepting than you could have ever expected. And very shortly thereafter, asked that we have a FaceTime. And we did that. And that's when I kind of was like, you know, you're not acknowledging up to this point that there are three of us. Right. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did he? Did he go on to have like children that he kept he did he ended up getting married when he was older later later in life yeah and had two daughters yeah younger so so they're younger yeah so these are not the two that you found on the app okay so okay (laughs) he didn't know about those two either (laughs) (laughs) keith is seven seven children strong yeah total Well, true. I mean, did he give you any indication of how many times he donated? I mean, could there be he, lots of, of you out there? It sounds like it's like at least 10. At, at least 10. Oh. Oh, okay. oh, okay. All right. And he seems to be quite successful in that. First. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes, because we, we, I wasn't sure if the situation was, I'm sure it's different for wherever you make your donation, but like we had a guest on a couple episodes ago who his donor father, um, I think was in there like a couple hundred times and he had a very, like halfway through, like had a very successful rate of like, well, I think there's been at least like 90 or something like that successful pregnancies. Oh, this was halfway through his run. So... His yeah. run so yeah. was well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So, what well, I mean was Keith told that there were successful pregnancies or okay. no? Nope. He opted out of receiving any additional information. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that's what I've heard is not uncommon for you know. Well, sure, because he didn't think it was ever going to catch up with him. <laughs> well, right, and, and you know, when you're a young person, and some people were doing it for the money, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to feel like that like well i was just trying to pay my rent you know what i mean like i think that and this is pure conjecture just based because we did and we have met keith in person i think based off of the person that he is that we know him to be right now i think that he probably did that because he wanted to avoid feeling some type of way like if he i think that if he had Mm -hmm. found out that he had had successful donations he would have wanted to Reach out to Reach that. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. He assumed a, a very a paternal mindset very quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very quickly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you connected with um, your half sisters, Keith's daughters? No. No. I, I don't think we will. Yeah. I don't think that's in the cards. Okay. All right. Yeah, he w- still wants to remain 100% anonymous. Oh. And that his name. So you can use Keith Stonebridge. Because <laughs> that's not his real name. No. Okay. Got it. Um, because his, it's not in line with the ideology of his family. Got it. For this oh. to be a thing so or be know. out there. Yeah. yeah. They don't know. 
They they know. They did not <laughs> oh, know. His wife knows. His wife. Okay. Knows. His children do not. Oh, his children do not know. Still right now. Okay. Right. And then his. I don't know if we're supposed to say that, but his wife did not know. He had to tell her <laughs> when Ricky reached out. He had to like make that decision. Do I want to open this line of communication? If I do, I cannot be dishonest with my wife. Um, so he, yeah, he ended up, he ended up telling her yes when Ricky reached out, and that's fine for the world to know. Yeah, um, yeah. sure. And yeah. I mean, you know what? The, you know, his daughters may not know, but they might. Uh, somebody might be like, "Hey, happy birthday! Here's a twenty-three and me." <laughs> yep, that's yeah. what I'm saying, dude. If yeah. I, I would, yeah, that is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, at some point, it, it would be a surprise if it didn't come out. You yeah, know, one way or another. Yeah, that is, now that you mention it, probably a conversation that we should have with mm-hmm. Keith about if his children yeah. do ever reach, reach out. out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he would want he us would to be. like us to do. 100% right. yeah. honest, I would assume. For sure. Yeah. And, and what about the, 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 the twins? The... Jenny and Jessica? Would, I thought the other, I thought there were two more. Oh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, like, I'm misremembering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's there's two half-siblings. <laughs> They're, yeah, one of them that you've been in touch with, one of them you haven't. Right, okay, right. Okay. And then Keith's uh, mother and her sister are identical her twins. Gotcha. Okay. And Keith did inform us. Kendall, I don't know if we told you that. I don't think we told her <laughs> that there's another set of triplets in the family. Wow. Yeah, we were doomed. Yeah, so <laughs> we all, I think, have decided to not have kids. Yeah. And this is a big reason i think also a sticking point is like we would definitely have like a ton of like, one of us would have one triplets or something yeah yeah multiple yeah wow but if you want to get the movie deal you know you. say that again if you want to get the movie deal you you might all have to <laughs> We're on it. who's gonna take the take one for the team exactly <laughs> Or three for the yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> right. So true. When you put it like that, Fire no, but I would just give one to you, and I would just give one to you. There we go. Oh, so you've you know you've you've gone through quite a bit of exploration during the first season. You know you, you've um, had your uh, donor father on. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next? Oh my god! It's so great that you say that. So. Because we just recorded our first uh, interview for season two yesterday. We are so relieved. And I'm not sure how much of your story you two have had to tell on your podcast. They started out telling their They did the same thing as us, they except did. they didn't. They didn't do as many as we did. Yeah. So after a season, I mean, these episodes for us were a lot. Um they were a lot, especially yeah. we've, yeah. And so we would leave feeling very, it was very healing. It was very draining mm-hmm. for sure. And it, like after recording, I could never sleep. It was just a lot. It was a lot to go through. We were, we were digging up a lot of stuff and talking, talking about it for the first time together and finding out new things, yada, yada. So we were so excited. So for the for the rest of time, as long as we do this, we have been reaching out to people to be able to tell their stories and we don't want to be um you know kind of pigeonholed into we decided we don't want to be pigeonholed into like dna surprises specifically or anything like that we more want it to be who is your father relation you know family relationships with your father family dynamics um things like that so that's that's who we've been seeking out so we did do our first interview 
yesterday with um, a guy who had kind of the same thing happen. He grew up, I don't know how much I should say. He grew up in a very, his mother raised him. She was very racist and Mm. he grew up that way. And he found out when he was 22 or something that um, not only was his biological, the guy that he thought was his dad, that's a whole thing, (laughs) not his dad, but that his dad was black. So that's our first um, first episode, first couple episodes of season two, and that's we have a few guests lined up. So our se- every season that follows, we'll be telling other people's stories. And oh my god, it was so much fun to just be able to talk to someone else. We're all very inquisitive. As I mean, you're a journalist; you guys know how it is. We love hearing about other people, and we want it to very much so be something that helps people. Um. And we want to explore things that maybe have not been explored or people haven't talked about. So kind of exploring just healing, uh, addressing issues that are not always talked about and um, going from there. That's awesome. I think that's very smart. And, you know, you're you're all well-spoken and funny. And so I think it's going to be, you know, some great conversations to come for sure. We're so, super excited. Yeah. yeah. And then as far as like what comes now (laughs) just personally this has been really healing for us as sisters and we are living in the same city for the first time and it's really been the first time that we get to take advantage of it Mm -hmm. right um so it's brought us a lot closer and we're really excited to deep continue to deepen our relationship in that way and then i think that we sort of determined at the end of kind of the journey for us in telling our own story. Um, we uncovered a few things that, you know, the entire time and the we thought the crux of the podcast was that it was about finding our biological father. Um, and after going through that, we realized that it was actually about about us. And it actually, um, in kind of talking to other people about their relationships with their fathers, it actually made us hearken back to our relationships with the, the men that raised us mm-hmm. um, right, more. Right. So still lots of healing to do together and getting to yeah. have a lot of fun. And so that's next for us in that regard. Yeah, that's awesome. Who's the big Star Wars fan? Who came up with the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. the <laughs> you're the first person to ask us this question I don't, I don't okay we, yeah and i don't think we i don't think we've mentioned the name yet it's uh so, it's so luke, who is your father <laughs> luke who's your father so i uh i came up with, with the idea for this podcast quite a while ago and it was actually at a time where ricky and i were not speaking to each other so i couldn't really tell anyone about it really um and i've you know known what we wanted to explain in it, you know, when I have first had this idea. I also have ideas for other businesses. That's just <laughs> something I do. I like stay up late at night. I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And so I had a, I had an idea for a different business and I wanted to call it Darth Vapor. Oh. <laughs> and I wanted it to be like a, a ice cream truck that drives down the street with like a mask on the front and dry ice floating out. So I was like, that's hilarious. So I got I'll, already kind of had this Darth Vapor idea, and then I and I ugh, I started dating a man named Luke, and I was just thinking about this podcast one day, and I was like, "Oh my God, Luke, who is your father? That that is amazing." And I the, regret to inform you right that none of us are necessarily, you know, Star Wars maniacs, right? But we did also we also know that 
the the story of Luke and Leia and they are separated at birth and all that is a little bit um, adjacent. So mm-hmm. we know none that. of us have lightsabers <laughs> over here. <laughs> um, we don't want anyone to think that our star, our podcast is Star Wars themed. <laughs> it was just we thought it was a good catchy title and gave Kendall a lot of cool um, imagery to work with. opportunities for design as well. Right, you're the you're the designer. Yeah, uh, yes. awesome yes. logo, very cool yeah. logo. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm, I, also love all of you guys. Your That's branding is amazing. Oh, it's, thank you. I'm almost jealous. I, I wish I, I could take uh, credit for it because, I mean, I, I love design as well, but um, I work with a wonderful designer named Jana, and she she did all of that. I mean, we, you know, with our input, but uh, yeah, she's it's amazing. fantastic. All of us and love that you. retro vibe. And yeah. in meeting you guys, it just seems to fit yes. so well. Right, right. good, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm the guy that sits back and says, um, make it make it pretty. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and Corey always seems to make that happen, so it works. But I will and, say, with the over the ear headphones, you all do resemble Princess Leia a little bit. So there there's your Star Wars time. Yeah, he's into cinnamon bun. Oh my god, wigs on these. You're a genius. <laughs> You're a genius. We'll give you all the credit for that. If we decide to do that, that would be so funny. <laughs> Well, oh my this has been absolutely delightful. Um, I mean, I've been ever since I, I found the podcast. Ooh, sorry. Look, thanks. I, <laughs> oh, my. Take See how two. excited I am? Yeah. Take two. <laughs> He's throwing stuff. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, I was very excited to um, to get in touch with the three of you because as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be a great story. And can just tell, you know, like listening to the three of you talk on the podcast is like, oh yeah, this is going to be a really fun interview. And it has been. So thank you. We have had the best time. And thank you so much. We're so excited to talk to you more. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for I sure. I mean, you have to yeah, you guys are getting story. out of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to skip because I'm, I'm a big true crime podcast junkie, oh, yeah. but it's starting to give me nightmares so mm. i'm like i think i'm gonna start listening to all these family family don't binge don't podcasts. you what they did though and don't listen to too much of theirs well because... that's what i'm saying i'm gonna skip the first few okay okay until after we yeah chat yeah. with you guys yeah good good idea i think yeah well yeah we we'd be overjoyed to, yeah. uh, to take and kendall doesn't doesn't kenny doesn't kendall look so much like uncle jack <laughs> I think he gives me big Paul Rudd vibes. I'm oh, gonna be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get when that I, a lot? When I had hair, people would say that. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd, amazing. I don't. I always thought we met because we've been together for almost 20 years now. But I thought he looked like um, a younger Guy Pierce. Oh, okay. I'd forgotten I that reference. I'll take that. Obsessed with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Like L.A. Confidential era. Of yeah. yeah, yeah. I love. Uh, well, now I mean, and we'll ask you anyway. Because we'll need pictures of you for our socials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got to see that era. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been through it all. I had the <laughs> crazy flock of seagulls, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, there are some mistakes that were made. but Oh, you were um... not the only one, my friend. <laughs> nope. Very Probably cool. going to make some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I will definitely be reaching out. Um, to get photos for sure, you know, so we can put on our socials. Um, and we're just, we're in the mix of season three right now. We're still recording season three, but we've, we have launched. And so 
we'll look at the calendar today and try to figure out. We just want to make a good order, like so it's you know. Yeah, cohesive. Yeah. Wow. Exactly, exactly. Right. So let you know ASAP. You know when this is going to go up. Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you both so much. It's yeah. really such a wonderful opportunity, and yes. you guys are you're well the coolest. Yes. Oh, thank you. This this has been a lot of fun. I was. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. You have a beautiful Sunday. Thanks. Excellent. You, you as well. too. Thank you so much for listening to Family Twist. We feature original music by Cosmic Afterthoughts. And Family Twist is presented by Savoir Faire Marketing Communications. Check out our website at familytwistpodcast.com for blog posts and all of our episodes.